we started talking about just letting God work, letting the Spirit move and walking in, in the Spirit. And we talked um, about how sometimes as a church or as an organization, I guess, we can, we can focus too much on the, the stats or the numbers, you know, Holy Ghost and affiliates, baptisms, and that sort of thing. How many conversions, like it was a football game or something, or how, um, how many miracles, or whatever. Anything that we can get a number for, we like to keep track of. But there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but the problem is that we can sometimes focus on the numbers, which, you know, if they're high and they're there, that's good. Um, but if they're not, we can, we can get down and we can think that maybe we're failures or we're doing something wrong or God doesn't like us as much as he likes the church down the road or whatever. You know, these thoughts can creep in and, and if that's all we're focused on. And so um, by looking at it like that and seeing it like that, we end up seeing the gift of the Holy Ghost as something that is something that can be measured in encounters or something. And instead of what it actually is, which is the spirit of Jesus alive and working in us. And God fills us with his spirit not to add to some numbers or, um, you know, just to do it once and never do anything in us again, but to save us and to work in us and to make us more like him. And the Holy Ghost should influence every aspect of our lives. It should influence our relationships that we have with each other, um, with our spouses, with our children, with our pastors or um, family, our co-workers, our brothers and sisters in the church and with the world. And he should lead us in all things. And so the gift of the Holy Ghost isn't <laughs> some sort of feel-good drug that we activate during a camp meeting or on Sunday nights or whatever, but rather, again, it's the Spirit of God working in our daily lives, or at least that is what it's what's supposed to happen. And last week we talked about walking in the Spirit and how every day, we need to make a decision. How am I going to walk today? Am I going to walk after the flesh or am I going to walk after the spirit? And I know um, generally when I preach or teach, I try my best. And you guys are all, you've been around for a while. But I try my best to use simple everyday terms or words. And when we talk normally, we don't say flesh very often. <laughs> um, it's not necessarily something we might use. Um, in Bible school they did because everyone was so spiritual. I'm feeling carnal today. Okay, bud. <laughs> but what it, what it means, just to make sure we're all on the same page, what it means is our, our natural, sinful way of living or acting and thinking. So when we say flesh in the Bible or when someone's preaching, in this context, that's what it's talking about versus the spirit. Um, that's what we're supposed to be following after. So that's what we mean. So every day we need to make the decision. Am I going to walk after the flesh? How I, how I want to do things? Or am I going to walk after the spirit? Am I going to seek the things that I want? Or am I going to seek the things of God? So just because you receive the Holy Ghost once upon a time, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're daily walking in the spirit. Sorry if that hurt your feelings. But it's still a choice that we need to make regularly. Last week we talked a little bit about how sin or the law of sin is a lot like the law of gravity. It's always kind of there and it has the ability to pull us down and it, it's, you don't, it doesn't ever really go away. But when we're filled with his spirit, we become like a bird 
in the sense that we now have the ability to fly or to rise above the law of sin. But like a bird has to make that decision to fly, we need to make that decision to rise above it um, and walk in the spirit. And often we can be like that stupid crow that we talked about. Do you remember? I, I saw two morning doves did the same thing. I was sorry that I picked on the crows. But I thought of it. I don't know if you've seen any birds on the road. But we can be like that bird on the road that just hops along and only flies when a car comes. And we only try to walk in the spirit or pray or seek God when we're in danger instead of on a regular basis. And so that brings us to tonight's lesson. So not only do we need to make a daily, um, daily make that choice and walk in the spirit, but we also need to live in the spirit and be alive in the spirit. This is kind of like a part two of of that. It's kind of the same thing. In Romans 8, Paul shows us that there is a, a great battle that's constantly going on between our spirit and our flesh. And if we allow the flesh to win, if we allow the flesh to have control, we will constantly be seeking selfish things and personal wants. We'll be doing whatever we want to do. We'll find ourselves in the wrong positions. We'll find ourselves making the wrong decisions and saying the wrong things and acting in anger and rage and resentment and being jealous and all of those kinds of things. We'll find that is the way that we are living if we're doing that. So Romans 8 and 6 says, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So again, this verse lets us know that this battle, this struggle between... Um, between the flesh and the spirit, it begins in our mind. So it says to be carnally minded. I'm trying to button this thing up and it's driving me nuts. So to be carnally minded, um, it just means physical or flesh. It comes from the, the same word. The word carn means flesh. That's why a carnivore eats meat. Oh, there's your little Greek lesson. So to be um, carnally minded, that's to be fleshly minded. It's the same sort of thing. Um, it, it's death, according to Romans 8 and 6. Not only does it end in death, but right now it's death. It's killing us, both physically and spiritually. When we live a life um, giving in to fleshly cravings, when our mind is tuned to those things, and that's what we are inclined to do, that will end in death. But if we can live in the Spirit, if we can walk in the Spirit, if we can get our minds on the right thing, uh, there is life and peace. What we think about matters. What is on our mind matters. Do we think about the spiritual? Is that our priority or is it more physical? That matters. The Bible tells us to meditate on the Word, to think on the Word. In Philippians 4 and 8, Paul says, Finally, brethren, Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. What we do matters, we know that, but how we think matters too, because that spills over into our priorities. Our priorities matter as well. Jesus said in Matthew 6 and 33, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. This is a, a verse people like to quote. I know in Bible school they were always quoting. My friend, my friend Jerome, my roommate, 
He said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added to you. And I said, What things, Jerome? What things should be added? All these things. What things? He couldn't tell me. <laughs> Read the rest of the chapter. <laughs> what we do, man. Um, this verse is at the end of a, a passage where Jesus is teaching people not to worry about physical things, about food, drink, clothes, uh, hairs on your head, life, all that sort of thing. And he says that if we seek the kingdom of God and we seek his righteousness and all these things will be provided, all these things will be provided to us. If our priorities are right, and we're focused on the kingdom, and we're seeking the kingdom of God, we're seeking the righteousness of God, God will take care of us. If our priorities are right. In other words, if we prioritize the spiritual over the flesh, he will take care of us. And we don't need to worry about the fleshly things. I realize we have bills, and we have responsibilities, and all those things. I'm not saying just lock yourself in a room and pray for the rest of your life. Whatever. But if we make the spiritual, if we make his kingdom our priority, our main focus, he will lead us and he will provide for us. All these things will be added. He will take care of us. And so we as people of God, as people of the spirit, we should live in the spirit. Why? Because we come alive in the spirit. That's when things start moving. And so in the book of Ezekiel, Ezekiel he has a, a vision. And we are all familiar with this. I'm going to read it. Ezekiel 37, 1 to 14. It says, And the hand of the Lord was upon me, and he carried me out in the spirit of the Lord, and set me down in the midst of the valley, which was full of bones, and caused me to pass by them round about. And behold, there were very many in an open valley, and lo, they were very dry. They'd been there for a while. And he said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, thou knowest. And again, he said unto me, prophesy upon these bones and say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God unto these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter into you and ye shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you and I will bring up flesh upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and ye shall live and ye shall know that I am the Lord. And so I prophesied. As I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a noise, and behold, a shaking, and the bones came together bone to his bone. You know, the knee bone connected to the, the leg bone? I just forgot the whole song. Anyways, hopefully you remember. And that's what happens. And, uh, and when I beheld, lo, the sinews and flesh came upon them, and skin covered them above, but there was no breath in them. Then he said unto me, prophesy unto the wind, prophesy, prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind, thus saith the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood up on their feet, an exceeding great army. And he said unto me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried, our hope is lost, and we are cut off for our parts. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up out of your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. And you shall know that I am the Lord, and I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up out of your graves, and shall put my spirit in you, and ye shall live, and I shall place you in your own land, and then shall you know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it, saith the Lord. And so it, um, Ezekiel he has this vision of dry bones being restored to life. And we've heard 
lots of preaching on it over the years and about it. And um, usually we make it about revival or something. Yeah. Calling churches dry bones. <laughs> so always some evangelist comes in and puts everyone down. Anyways. But he has this, this vision and this, this passage of Ezekiel gives us a glimpse of the power of living in the spirit and how we need the spirit of God to be alive. First off, I'm not sure if you noticed, but this whole um, vision starts by Ezekiel being carried in the spirit. We preach about dry bones and new life and we preach about restoration and all that from this and we preach about God doing the work, but it all starts with the same thing, with the move of the spirit. Ezekiel was carried but in the spirit and that's what kick this whole thing off. We can't have a move of God without the work of the Spirit. We can't see revival without a moving of the Spirit. We can't see new birth unless God's Spirit is moving. We can't see restoration. We can't see any of these things that we long to see unless there's a moving of His Spirit. And so that is what we need more than anything. It's not a new program. It's not a better preaching. It's not better music or more services or less services. It's not in the, oh, if we don't have to wear masks anymore or we can, whatever. It's none of that stuff. We need a moving of his spirit. We've gotten so distracted in the last couple of years by everything going on around us that we've neglected a move of his spirit and we just hope that he will show up randomly. Or we're going to wait till the restrictions end. I don't even know if that's ever going to happen anymore. I don't know. When things go back to normal, whatever that means. Instead, we should be seeking the face of God. And instead, we should be pursuing his presence. And we should be walking in his spirit. Ezekiel's whole vision started with the hand of God moving on him and him being carried in the spirit. He brought him to a valley of dry bones. And this valley can represent life without God's presence. Life without the spirit. When we try to live without the spirit of God being active in our lives on a daily basis, we will die spiritually. The spirit is what gives us life. Life without the presence of God is bleak, dry, and dead. And life without the spirit of God is not life. Life is often filled with frustrations and heartbreak and sadness and disappointments and all that stuff. And without God working, without God moving in our lives, it can become incredibly overwhelming. I don't even understand how people can go through things without knowing that there's God, there's a God that loves them and He's there with them. I can't even imagine what it's like to lose someone and not know that there's a God that's walking with you and supporting you and carrying you. I don't even I don't even know it. It can be completely and incredibly overwhelming. And every trial seems like a victory for the enemy without the spirit. And so God asks Ezekiel, he says, Can these bones live? And Ezekiel, and all the wisdom he has, he says, You know, God, I'm not gonna say nothing. <laughs> you know. The power to bring life, the power to bring a resurrection, the power is found in God and God alone. God knows. Can these bones live? I don't know, but you do, God. Can we see a move of the Spirit in our town? You know, 
God? Can we see restoration? You know, God. Can, can we see people who've already walked away come back? You know, God. And all the things that we hope and long to see, he knows. And the power for it to happen, the power for it to take place is in him. And there are a few things that God's given us that we can, we can use, tools, if you will, gifts that he's given us. That we can live in the spirit and be alive in the spirit. And the first thing is the word of the Lord. The first thing that God told Ezekiel to do when he brought him to the valley of the dry bones was what? Verse 4, he says, Again he said unto me, Prophesy upon these bones, and say to them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the word of the Lord unto these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you, and ye shall live, and I will lay sinews upon you and will bring up flesh upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. It started with the word. Right? And sometimes when we get talking about the spirit and we need to have the spirit moving and following the spirit or walking in the spirit, people take that as, as just ignore the word and just, just feel it. Right? You know people like that? Never read the Bible, but God's leading them. Feeling the Spirit. <laughs> oh. Saying all kinds of crazy things. I don't need a pastor. I don't need to hear a preaching. I don't need to read the Bible. God just tells me, and I know. <laughs> the guy in my house school is always, yeah, God told me this. God told me that. And it's like, maybe you should calm down a bit. <laughs> just make sure it's lining up with what the Bible says. <laughs> he's still he's okay now. <laughs> you know, I don't just I don't need all that. God just tells me what I need to know and I just follow the spirit. Yeah, no. <laughs> we need to be people of the spirit and people of the word. One doesn't overrule the other. They work together. Just the word is what keeps us on the straight and narrow. Right? Before God ever moved on these dry bones, he got the man of God to prophesy to them. Before he, he moved on the bones, the word of the Lord had to go forth. And our desire to see the spirit of God work and, and move, we cannot ignore the importance of the word of God. I've said it before. I got it from, again, Bible school. It's coming up a lot tonight. Um, all spirit, no word, you blow up. All word, no spirit, you dry up. But we're in the spirit together, and you grow up. We need them both together. We've all known people who are so spiritual, and they end up falling in all kinds of crazy sin because there was no word keeping them grounded. We all know people that they know the word more inside out and upside down, backwards and all that, but they don't let God work in them. So we need to have both working together. God chose his words to create the world. His spirit moved, and his words spoke it into existence. Read Genesis 1. They worked in harmony. So it's not one versus the other. You need both. The word keeps us grounded. The word lights our path. The word speaks to us and the word changes us. We need the word. 2 Timothy 3 and 16 says all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction and in righteousness. The word is what keeps us grounded. It corrects us. It instructs us. So if we don't have the word, that's when you get people just getting a bit loopy. Right? Amen. You know, think of someone. Say their name. No. <laughs> you see, a lot of, lately anyway, a lot of Christian teaching and following and believing and quoting stuff that isn't in the Bible 
or it's contrary to the Bible. It's more aligned to whatever the flavor of the day is and whatever, you know, social media is telling us or the society is telling us. And that's a problem. If we don't know the word, we're going to get distracted and we're going to go down the wrong path. We can't follow the world and have a move of the spirit. So it begins with us knowing the word and following the word and obeying the word and preaching the word and believing the word. And if you love God, you need to read his word, too. World's full of Christians who say they love Jesus but never read their Bible. You're lying to yourself. You don't love them if you can't. Don't love his word. They go together. Amen. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The word became flesh. You can't separate them. If you're say you love Jesus, you need to love his word. Sorry. Not sorry. The Bible is God's word and letter to us. If you love him, read it, eat it, meditate on it, dwell in it, consume it, study it. If you want to know him, Read his word. If the only word you get is what you get when you come to church, you're starving yourself. You can't only eat once a week. <laughs> when we first came, some random guy remember, showed up and he's like, I don't go to this church anymore because I didn't get fed. Well, feed yourself, buddy. Stop relying on everyone else to do it for you. The word's there. You've got to read the word, study the word. If all you're getting is what I give you, sorry, I don't know. I feel bad for you. I could probably be better at it. I don't know. So we need the word. Yeah. We need it daily. Yeah. Man should not live by bread alone. Anyways, it's going to stop quoting stuff. We need the word. The second thing, the second gift God's given us to live in the spirit is his spirit in us. So Zach, Zachariah, Zeke, Ezekiel, I wrote Zeke. Zeke prophesied to the dry bones and God started to work. He said, so I prophesied as I was commanded and as I prophesied there was a noise and behold a shaking and the bones came together bone to his bone and when I beheld lo, the sinews and the flesh came upon them and the skin covered them above and there was no breath in them. Right? So he prophesied to the bones and they start to come together and things start to grow. Sinews, flesh, skin all the things you need to, to be a person started to grow. But they were still dead. And the word is powerful. The word is strong. The word is effective. But in the end, the word will only do so much. Again, we have all kinds of churches all over the world who get up and preach the word every single service. And I know people will say all kinds of things at other churches and organizations, but they're preaching something. They're using the Bible weekly. Yes. You know, yes. as much as we like to say they aren't, but they are. Yes. And they're preaching something for the Bible. They're, they're following a curriculum. I don't know what they're doing. I'm not there. But they're using the word. The word's going forth in some fashion. But if the spirit is not there, then it's dead. They, they need, we need to have both working. That's the difference. The word can do a lot and the word will do a lot. But we still need the spirit to complete the word. Verse 9 and 10. He said, then he said unto me, prophesy to the wind. Prophesy, son of man, say to the wind. Thus saith the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood upon their feet, an exceeding great army. So there needs to be a breath. There needs to be the wind from, from God. Jesus compared um, the spirit to the wind in John 3 and 8. He said, The wind bloweth where it listed, thou heareth the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the spirit. When God breathed life into Adam, that's what brought him you know, to life. We need the spirit. We need the breath of God. It's not just enough to have 
a move of the Spirit and be in His presence and feel it and get the goosebumps and stuff. We need, it, we need Him to move inside of us. The breath of God in us. Anyone can be in a place where God is moving and feel and see things happen. Just in the right place at the, the right time. It doesn't, whatever. But we, we need to have the Spirit alive and working in us too. Right? Yeah. We want to see His Spirit move. Yes. We want to see it. We want to see people come in and God just work and do incredible things in our lives and see people delivered. We want to see people healed. We want to see people filled with His Spirit. We want to see all these things happen. But we, I want to see His Spirit move in us too. Bringing us to life and closer to Him. More holiness, more anointing, more consecration, more devotion, more of Him in our lives. If we want to be alive in the Spirit, it goes to say that we need His Spirit to be inside of us working. Like John the Baptist said, less of me and more of Him. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 13, 5-6, this is the English standard to make it a little clearer. But he says, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Or do you not realize this about yourselves, that Christ, Jesus Christ is in you? Unless indeed you fail to meet the test, I hope you will find out that we have not failed the test. He says we need to take time. We need to examine ourselves to see whether we're in the faith or not. Are we believers or not? Because if we are, if we've been filled with the Spirit, we need to realize that we have Him inside of us. And this is something that we need to do from time to time, just to make sure. And if we are in the faith, realize that Jesus is with you. You have his spirit in your life, so let him work. Let him bring you to life. Let him, let him move in you. Let him move through you. He's given you his spirit, not just to feel good, but to work in you and to do incredible things. He's, do you not realize that Jesus is in you, he says. Acts 17 and 28 says, For in him we live and move and have our being, as certain also of your own poets have said, for we also are of, uh, we are also his offspring. For in him we live and move and have our being. Everything we do must be in him. Him we live and move and have our being. So if we want to be alive in the spirit, he's given us his word and he's given us his spirit, obviously. And what else? He's given us prayer. How do we apply the word? How do we activate or connect with his spirit that he's given us? Prayer, right? Luke 18 and 1 says, um, Then he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. Jesus taught on prayer and told a parable to show them the importance of prayer so that they would always pray and not faint. Fainting or growing weary and quitting Giving up can be a sign of lack of prayer. And yes, I know sometimes life gets on top of us. I know that. I know that sometimes we go through dry times and hard times and times of pain and loss and even depression. But in those times, we can still come to Jesus. Jesus said in Matthew 11 and 28, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. If you are weary, if you are worn out, if you feel like you're going to faint, the answer 
is prayer. The answer is getting into the presence of Jesus and letting his spirit work and letting him refresh and strengthen you. He will give us rest. He will give us strength. He will lift us up. And how we come to him through prayer, right? But if we do not pray, we will find ourselves worn out, tired, beat up, and away from God. But if we do pray on a regular basis, there is a refreshing, there is a rest. We're not going to spend a long time here because we're going we're gonna to hit her hard <laughs> the next month or so. But I will say this. You cannot neglect prayer and expect to be used in the Spirit. You can't go without praying and then expect His Spirit to work through you. You can't expect to witness or sing or lead and have the anointing of God just moving through you if we don't pray. Prayer connects us to his spirit and changes our hearts, lines us up with him. It's no coincidence that some of the most mightily used men and women of God have also been incredible prayer warriors. I read missionary books, and the one thing they all have in common is how much they prayed and how much they sacrificed and how much they fasted. And they're not even bragging to make it sound like they do it. You gotta read between the lines to get it. We can't go all week without praying and then show up Sunday and expect God to Oh yeah, thanks for coming. Expect God to just work through us and use us. Sorry, it's not gonna happen. Prayer prepares us. You cannot be alive in the spirit and not pray. Have you noticed something? But everything we talked about so far, these are all things that each and every one of us can do. Yes. Amen. We can all read the word. I think we can all read. If not, you can listen to it. There's technology has come a long way. We can all be filled with the Spirit. We can all pray. These are not impossible things to do. These aren't outrageous things that God is asking of us. You say you love him, then read his word and pray. Be in touch with him. Being alive in the spirit and letting the spirit work isn't some difficult, complicated process that's only available to the select few. It all comes down to faithfulness and consistency. And another gift that God's given us to help us be alive in the spirit is spiritual fellowship. Some people think we can just do this on our own. But people... Even us introverts belong together. We crave fellowship. People will say all kinds of foolish things like I like I love Jesus, but I don't love the, I don't like the church. Well the church is his body and his bride, so good luck with that. I love you, I love you, I love your head, I don't like the rest of you. That's not how it works. You can't separate. And there's something about and there's something about coming together and praising Jesus. There's something about praying together. There's something about worshiping together. I've had, I've had incredible moments in the presence of God on my own, and this is important for us to do, but there's something about experiencing his presence with others. When we gather together, it is a chance, and it's an opportunity for him to work through us and into the lives of our brothers and sisters. Hebrews 10 uh, 23 and 25, I'm reading the English Standard again, but it's very similar. It says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Let us consider 
how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. And we um, we quote verse 25 a lot, not forsaking the assembling ourselves together, especially when all the lockdowns happened. It became everyone's favorite verse. <laughs> but even then, nothing was stopping people from getting together in houses, meeting up with people, praying together. The church building isn't the only place we can be together. <laughs> And now, we're back to skipping for every little thing that happens. I don't feel like going. It's funny. You know, when, when you can't go to church, everyone's like, well, I would have missed church. And then you can't, and they're like, you know what? I'm going to miss church. <laughs> I don't feel like going. Oh, well, go anyway. I know you guys, you guys are the ones, you're, you're always here. <laughs> I'm not coming down on you. Um... And I, I know that it doesn't matter coming for me because I get paid to do this. But skipping church is dumb. <laughs> I don't get worked up over a lot of things publicly. Maybe at home. <laughs> but this is one of them. I cannot tell you how many extracurricular activities or clubs that I was not a part of or jobs that I turned on. I wouldn't even apply for if I had to work on a Sunday. We wanted to go to a French-speaking country, and the um, global missions people said, you need to take French classes. And the only French classes available to us at the community colleges were on a Wednesday. And we said, I guess we're not going, because I'm not skip- I can't skip church. I couldn't do it. And, and then we were in Ontario, and everyone's going hunting. They're like, oh, you should get your gun license. It was on a Wednesday, so I never got my gun license. The pastor said I could go, but I was like, no, I can't be a youth pastor and then skip church and then whatever. I talked about getting my motorcycle license. My wife's not in favor of it. But that's on a, that's Sundays. I ride my bike now. I was like, maybe I'll enter a race. They have a big race here every year, I guess. I was like, maybe I'll do that. Guess what day it's on? <laughs> Sunday. Sunday. I guess I'm not doing that either. (laughs) Because church and Jesus are more important. We cannot tell our kids and our grandchildren that church is important and then stay home because we don't like the preacher or we had a bad day or something happened. I cannot tell you how many services and times I just wanted to stay home. It's probably even more now. (laughs) Sorry to break it to you. Because I got to get up and do this no matter what. How bad my day has been, or week, or whatever I'm going through. Anyways, I'm not complaining. I'm just telling you. How we can't tell how many times we wanted to just, but we didn't because it's important. I worked a few times, so six in the morning. I'm not bragging. Try not to. Six in the morning. Went home, napped, and got up for church. Left at ten. Went to church. Came home and slept in the afternoon because it's that important. Well, I'd work till seven. Get off work, change, still stink like McDonald's, and go do kids' church at 7.30 because it's that important. Yeah. I know you guys know this. You're here. It's important for us to be together 
and come to church. We need each other. God's given us the church, and to neglect it is foolish. There are people all over the world who would love the opportunity to come and to worship freely and openly with fellow believers, but they can't because they could be killed. So don't waste this chance and opportunity you've been given. We are blessed. We're fortunate to live where we live. And I know we like to complain about, how oh, it's getting so bad, but we're still able to come. So let's not neglect the chance we have while we have it. And so the purpose in Hebrews um, 10, 23 to 25 anyway, of meeting together is to stir one another to love and to good works and to encourage one another. He says, um, consider how to stir up one another to love and to good works, not neglecting to meet together as a habit of some, but encouraging one another. So if we come together and we don't leave stirred or encouraged, we're wasting our time too. When we pray together and we worship together, there's special things that happen. One, um, we are reminded that we're not alone. Sometimes if we come from maybe a home where we're the only one trying to live, for God, or maybe we work in an environment where it's not encouraged, or we're the only one in that environment is living for God, or we go to a school, we're the only ones, whatever. It can be a, a bit overwhelming during the week, but gathering together, we are reminded that we are all part of this body. That's why it's important also for to have, I know I Preach, I don't preach against camp meetings. But that's why camp meetings and things are important as well. That's not all there is, but that's why it's important to get together with people and re- be reminded. I remember, you know, going to youth conventions. Be like, oh, I have people from all over. And there's people from these small little towns, and they one or two people in the youth group, and they come together. And we had a big youth group, but I mean, there were like 2,000 kids all worshiping together, and that meant a lot. It was a highlight. And then we've got the Youth Congress, and there's tens of thousands, and it's just, you know, it's encouraging. That I'm not in this by myself. That's right. So it's important for us to come together for that, and two, it's encouraging, or it should be. It's encouraging to see our brothers and sisters continue to live for God. It's encouraging to see new folks come in and see people be baptized and see people filled with the Holy Ghost. It's encouraging to see others stay yes. for so long. Yes. To see people who have gone through things that we're now going through. And to know that if they can make it, then I can. Yes, amen. Three, God inhabits the praises of his people. Psalm 22 and 3. Thou art holy, thou that inhabits, inhabits the praises of Israel. When we gather and we worship, he's with us. The fourth thing is when we bind together, we come together, we pray together, he works. Matthew 18, 18 and 20. Verily I say unto you, whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, I say unto you that if two, uh, that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them in my, of my Father which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I in the midst of him. It doesn't have to be a lot. It just has to be a couple of three. Two or three is all... It's all we need. So God has given us these four things to help us to, to live and be alive in the Spirit. His Word, His Spirit in us. He's given us the gift of prayer. And He's given us spiritual fellowship, each other. 
And all of these gifts can be used to live in the Spirit or be alive in the Spirit. And when we use them, this connects us back to last week again. When we activate all these gifts, when we're using them, we will find ourselves walking in the Spirit. Galatians 5 and 25 says, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. It's not enough just to live in it, we need to walk as well, daily. Our churches are full of professing saints, not possessing saints, where we say one thing but do something else, where we say we live for God but we don't actually. We claim to live in the Spirit, we can claim to walk in the Spirit, or claim to be filled with the Spirit, but we can live differently. Brennan Manning said, the greatest single cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips and walk out the door and deny him by their lifestyle. That's what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. So we need to be filled with the Spirit, Spirit-filled and Spirit-led. It's not enough just to say we are, but we need to actually be. Right? Make sense? Amen. Not too hard? Maybe too hard? I don't know. Not always like this. And so let's take these tools or these gifts that God's given us and let's use them on a regular daily basis. Come alive in the Spirit. Let's get in His Word. Let's be filled with the Spirit. Let's pray. And let's, whenever we can, come together. And not just come together and be in a room, but let's praise together and pray together. It's spiritual fellowship, not just fellowship. The Spirit needs to be working. That's what strengthens us. As much as it's nice to see your face, or at least half of your face, that's <laughs> we need the spirit working in us as well. Amen. All right, so we'll take these things that God's given us, come alive in the spirit. God wants to work and move, and we need to prepare ourselves for it. So don't just be don't be someone who just says they're filled and led by the Holy Ghost, but let's actually be that person. Get in the Word, be filled with the Spirit, pray, come to church. I don't I'm not worried about anyone here. Skip it. Pass it on to your families, your friends. Everybody ought to go to Sunday school <sighs> and Wednesday school. Let's uh, let's stand. We're gonna pray once more. Um, let's pray for these these things that we would take these gifts that God's given us and use them. Let's pray together.